So this is very um, great that we have all different uh, here speakers from different areas, slightly different. Um, and as you went through all these breakout sessions and main sessions that you, you've already experienced everything that, about their specialty and their area. Um, so if you can actually ask the question, then the question needs to be something that apply to each area, that would be fantastic if you, whatever you have in your mind that you want to ask about. Um, if not, that's fine, but we're going to, because of the time, uh, we're going to limit three to five questions. We will only take three to five questions. So just think about anything that we want to uh, ask, uh, especially in, because we are our conferences about our building biblical family in Asian context, because we're all from Asian churches here, so it uh, might be uh, helpful if you ask about, in our context, in our culture, this could be the problem, then how would you recommend or suggest that type of question be really helpful? And I don't know if that's, that's great. Okay, so that would be great. So please think about any questions. And then when you ask, Please raise your hand and then you introduce yourself quickly, your name, where you're from. Uh, that could be perfect. And then ask question. Then we're going to go around and then uh, just answer the, this to the question you ask. All right. Anybody? First question. Testing? Oh. Hi. Um, my name is Chris Bay, and I'm currently a student at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary pursuing uh, a master's degree uh, in the licensure track, uh, so that I could uh, become a licensure counselor. And my question is, um, I guess before I ask a question, I guess just a little uh, backdrop. So one thing I've noticed about the Asian community and even the Asian American community is that there's a heavy uh, stigma a stigma towards receiving mental health. And just from my own personal experience and just in my own uh, little research is that as time seems to be going by, as the older generation continues to uh, get older and eventually pass away and the younger generation continues to get older, and even then the younger generation has children of their own and even a younger generation, as time passes by, um, the stigma towards mental health seems to be changing, even if it's just slightly. And so my question is, what, what can we do as leaders in the church? Um, what can we do to help uh, push and break down the, mental, uh, the stigma on mental health? Because as we all know, um, mental health is extremely important. It's, it's a crucial aspect of our lives. And, just, and not addressing it uh, can, do, can create detrimental effects in not just our own personal lives, but in our relationships with other people. So what can we do as leaders in the church uh, do to help uh, break down that, mental, uh, that stigma towards mental health? Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I understand because some uh, church members come to me uh, about complaining that with the symptom of depression, uh, they don't reveal uh, the fact they are suffering from depression to the congregation. It's a very 
uh, hidden area of the Asian church, I think. Uh, uh, one of the reasons why they think like that is uh, uh, psychological problems uh, is different from physical diseases. So when we have cancer, we don't hide. We have a cancer. Uh, but uh, when depression or anxiety, panic attack, they think that it could be a result of uh, moral sin or lack of faith. So I think that kind of uh, wrong uh, conceptions or misconceptions upon uh, mental illness are so prevalent uh, in, uh, in the church. So I think uh, as pastors or mental health professionals, we have to teach the misconceptions are wrong. So we have to correct their wrong uh, presuppositions about uh, mental health uh, and uh, its uh, psychopathology. So we have to teach regularly about that. There's no difference between mental health and physical diseases in terms of moral responsibility. And so I think we have to teach those facts to the congregation. I would agree wholeheartedly. I was nodding as you were you were speaking. Uh, I think too, when pastors talk about things from the pulpit, uh, it invites other people to talk about them as well. Uh, so when our leaders and our pastors are open about things like what you're saying, uh, that shows the congregation, oh, this is okay to talk about, uh, because when things stay hidden, they they grow. Right? But when things are brought into the light, right? Scripture tells us to bring sin into the light, for instance, uh, then, then they can move towards healing. They can have those conversations. Uh, and so by pastors and leaders better normalizing, making it normal to talk about those things, if they show that they are reducing the stigma, people will follow. It will take time, but proper teaching and exposure and talking about those things is what chips away at that. It was, is what lessens that. Um, in my case, I always start with education. We talked about Asian family, how you know, education is top priority uh, for our kids and, and in our church too. So I don't really go out and say, you need a counseling, and they're going to be really offended. Um, but they're getting more open uh, to this environment, counseling environment, and their need to talk to somebody uh, professional. But I start with education because that's the gateway for, I think, Asian people and Asian church. So I, I open, you know, a lot of church open seminars and stuff. And then I don't start with a couple or marital issue. I always start with parenting. And that's the, the topic they feel more comfortable. They come to um, talk about uh, parenting first, and then they realize, oh my gosh, I got to work on my marriage. And then once they open to education, and then they're ready for counseling a lot of times. And they contact me and call me after to talk about individual issue. So I guess that's um, the Asian people is more comfortable uh, with and then we can definitely utilize that part first. Yeah. There's nothing I could really add to what my colleagues have just said, although I would just <clears throat> maybe add just this one small piece. Uh, anytime in scripture that um, uh, there was some kind of 
something out of the cultural norm, some kind of disease, some kind of situation, some kind of problem, even death, Christ, he hit, he hit it head on. Christ was the one who, who said, let me, let me show you how to have deliverance from that. And so helping people to understand that they can bring all of these things and anything to Christ, that that's where they get the healing from. That's where they can get the relief. That's where they can have freedom from all, all of what is, is our culture is, is demanding from us. Thank you very much. So um, I think, yes, that's everything that we talked here. It's about, we, it's, it could be really one thing that we all need to change our environment more open toward about these kind of uh, issues. And also education is a really, really big priority for Asian uh, culture. So uh, it would be great, uh, maybe a gateway, like she said, uh, be great that we can actually approach and push to, to actually think about, wouldn't it be that we all need to get more educated in this area? That'd be great. So well, thank you so much for the, uh, the question and an answer. Who is next? Okay. Hi, uh, I'm Taekun Lee, uh, studying here at Southeastern Baptist Seminary. And my question is, I'm a first generation from South Korea. And I have, uh, as I spent time here in America, I uh, have seen and expect, uh, even in, within a family, Asian like uh, me, within the same family, there is a cultural gap and language barrier, even in the family members, uh, others, parents, and children. So how, what is your advice, how to deal with it? And uh, we want to help our children to find their identity like biblically, also, yeah, in a positive way. So, uh, what is your advice? Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, that's big issue. First generation, second generation, 1.5 generation, there is big differences. Uh, even parents cannot uh, share deep feelings and thoughts with their kids because of the language barrier, because they have to spend a lot of energy to making sentences to, re to express their feelings. They give up. They don't want to do it again. So they just share very superficial information to each other. Did you eat something? Did you go to church? Something like that. So that's a big issue. Uh, solution is very... <laughs> very hard, I think, uh, but what I, I, what I think, what comes to my mind is uh, our church's uh, emphasis should be shifted from the ministry in the church itself to care uh, for the family. Family-oriented ministry should be the future uh, agenda in sharing the gospel because uh, uh, in our church, in many churches in, in America, uh, usually parents are very busy in uh, running the business and in their free time they have to go to church. They have to do ministries all day on Sunday and uh, Saturday. Uh, they don't have time 
to share uh, meals or uh, what they uh, experienced in their lives with their kids. So many times I hear repeatedly that uh, kids are so sorry for the absence of their parents. Parents are so sorry for not uh, being with their uh, their kids at home when they are they need them. So I think uh, ministry-oriented or performance-oriented ministry should be changed into the relationship-oriented and the family-oriented and the family-oriented one, so that. Parents could invest more time and energy and resources at their home. It should be started from the pulpit, from the pastor's teaching. So I think that is uh, one way of uh, changing the atmosphere. Um, I can speak as a, a counselor and first-generation Korean. And um, I came here in my late 20s and um, started studying and work at the clinic uh, in multicultural setting. And then I had all these American folks come to me and talk to me in a deeper issue. Do I understand everything? No. Then how do I provide counseling for them? You know, I think uh, probably uh, Dr. Kristen talked about this communication. And then uh, I bet she, you probably highlighted the importance of empathy. How many English words do you need to empathize? And even though you understand completely what your children uh, are talking about, you can still sense that feeling. You know, they must be upset. They must be sad. They must be angry. And then we just say the word. You know, it's like respond with them uh, with this feeling. Oh my gosh, we can say that? And, oh yeah, oh I know, you're right. This type of thing. It's not really sophisticated English. You know, we can say those things. It must be sad, S-A-D. We all know that, right? So um, uh, empathizing with your kids, even though you don't completely understand like all the words they are saying, we can definitely empathize with them, and they're gonna pour out their heart to you, I, I bet. Uh, because they need a place to talk, they need a place for a guidance, and then you are the best ones to provide them at home. So um, that empathy, 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 that's the key. Um, and, um, you know, in language barrier, also like how to teach them about Bible when we speak in different languages. You know, I don't know how you can teach them because they observe a lot. They see you a lot. You know, you can talk to them and teach them, but first of all, they're gonna, they're gonna see you how you experience God in your life. And then if you just like know how to be delight in God, rejoice God, and um, you know, experience God's grace in your life. You know, they know that. They notice that because they can see you, like, being happy in God. And they're going to feel more attracted to your God and trying to get to know um, God in their life. Yeah. Also, too, what a wonderful opportunity for the church to come alongside these situations. <clears throat> 
when you meet in small groups, when uh, you, you have, have gatherings, when you can just kind of get off to the side with people who are in perhaps similar situations and, and to just minister to one another to, as, 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 as sheep to sheep, as, as congregate to congregate, not necessarily having a pastor taking this responsibility, but, but just as, as, as you are filled with the Holy Spirit coming alongside one another, perhaps you, you may even use the, the element from Titus where you have the younger uh, being put up underneath the, the, the wing of the older, where the, olders have made, the older folks have gone through maybe just a portion of this or maybe some, some element of this, where they are kind of taking uh, the responsibility uh, to, to come alongside those younger families who are struggling, who are, who are having, these, who's having these tensions, just to kind of just be that support to, to bear one another, as, as Dr. Kellum mentioned this morning, that, that we're a family, not just the family that, that husband and wife and, and children, but we're a family of, of believers in our, in our congregation. So allowing the church to also minister to one another. I don't have a ton to add, but uh, just to echo that, as, as my colleagues have been talking, what comes to my mind uh, is the reality that over 90% of our communication is nonverbal. Uh, so as counselors, we're taught to look at facial expressions, to hear inflection in our voice, to look at body language, to model things. Uh, so if 90%, more than 90% is nonverbal communication, you can do a whole lot as a parent without using words, through modeling, through empathy, through demonstration, through uh, whatever it is, pointing them to someone else. Uh, you can still communicate, even if it's not 100% complete communication. Uh, but at the end of the day, as parents, uh, our responsibility is to do what was shared in the Shema right? Impress these things upon your children, talk about these things to teach them and to train them. But that doesn't mean that we have to do that all alone. And the church can come alongside and we can connect them uh, with people to help us. Hi, um, my name is Dylan Davis. Uh, I'm at Southeastern MDiv uh, Missiology. Um, I'm a student minister at a Chinese church. And so I just, I, I kind of see there's a huge pressure being put on my students to excel in academics and in other areas of life. I see that a lot. And so one thing that I try to emphasize with these students, and it's a passion of mine, is the kingdom of God. Like the kingdom of God is ultimately our highest priority, no matter what we do or where we at in life. And sometimes I feel like that can kind of contradict the parents' wishes of wanting their children to go to college. So what's a good way to, and, and I, I want them to, you know, excel in education as well. So what's a good way to kind of preach the kingdom of God and that being the highest priority and not necessarily contradict going to college in an unnecessary way, if that makes sense? Yeah, I think it's a delicate balance, and uh, I want to bring in something I taught about this week in class, that when we talk to parents and children, and we think about obedience to parents, uh, every time it's said, children, obey your parents or honor your parents, it's always followed within the Lord. And so parents have a delegated authority from the Lord to do certain things, right, uh, to lead their children, teach their children. And so I think it is appropriate, carefully, <laughs> to say that when we honor our mother and father, when we obey our mother and father, that is submission to the Lord. 
Uh, now, presumably, that's meaning that the parents are not asking the child to sin. Okay, so we'll, we'll take that category off. But if the parents are, are uh, encouraging their children towards something, we can encourage the children to honor their father and mother, understanding that it's always under the authority of the Lord and what's honoring to the Lord. When God talks about, uh, in his word, about work, we work as to the Lord, not to men. And so I think we can even help teach our students, you may be aiming for good grades or to, to satisfy what your parents desire, but understand ultimately the plan and the, and the aim rather should be to, to honor the Lord. Um, and, and at the end of the day, I wanna be really careful how I teach young people this. Uh, if it comes down to the Lord leading you and your parents' desire for you, the Lord holds the authority. In my own life, that meant that I disregarded, not fully disregarded, but uh, in their eyes, disobeyed my parents' desire to go to medical school because I knew the Lord was calling me to seminary. That was hard to, to seemingly dishonor them and honor the Lord. Now, when, when there's a situation like that, we want to help children think through very, very, very carefully. But ultimately, we submit to our Heavenly Father more than we do our earthly fathers. And that's a, that's a hard road to walk carefully. You know, you're working in a um, Chinese church. You've got to be excellent <laughs> in <laughs> academics. You don't have any choice. <laughs> I'm, I'm just joking. Um, the way I got to know Jesus Christ was actually um, from, you know, it's all about the kingdom of God. Because it's, I think it's in the end, it's only gospel. Um, you know, I was so shocked that I can be saved without getting A's. And God still loves me if I even don't make it to the best college in the world. So it's a huge revolution to me. So uh, still, like, gospel was the most important thing in person's life. And in Chinese church and Korean church and any other Asian church where education is the top priority, um, you know, you're going to find a soft spot in them. So what if you don't succeed? What happens to you? And God still loves you. That's actually really amazing and then that's the point you can um kind of deliver them um to introduce god's love but then what do you do with all that you know the academic success it's in our bone i teach my kids to study um they better yeah <laughs> but uh, how do you use that why do you study then and everything is just like completely different after you get to know god and you're using everything to glorify him. And uh, probably that's the um, approach that we can take as an Asian family who's crazy about education. Yeah. Um, being a youth pastor for about 20-some years prior to coming to the state convention, um, you're not experiencing anything different than I did when I was uh, in the Anglo church. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm learning more and more about the, about the Asian culture, about the, the honor, um, uh, honor shame issues that, you know, when it comes to North America, when it comes to the Anglos and sports, it's honor shame with that too. 
Not necessarily some, I mean, some with the grades, but when it comes to sports, it's an honor-shame system with them too. And so one of the things that I just, I, I, just lo- I just loved on my students, even though they were, got to make this, you know, got to make the team, I got to get on, the, be the, the star player so that I can get a, you know what there always was always said? So that I can get a scholarship. You know, I was, I was a youth pastor for, like I said, 20-some years. Uh, I had very large youth ministries. I can count on one hand the kids who got scholarships, seriously. And so one thing that I just tried to help these students understand, more so I really tried to help the parents understand, the difference between the temporal and the eternal. Constantly just bringing that up, the temporal and the eternal. And, and I just have to let the Holy Spirit deal with it because culture was so prevalent in their minds. They, they just knew they were going to get that football, that baseball scholarship. And so many of them did not. And so I would just love them through it and just kept, kept my course and just letting them know, I still love you no matter what you're doing, but here, let me make sure that you understand this. Temporal, eternal. Yeah, I think it, I understand how you feel, how much pressure do you feel in that environment. Uh, I think uh, this is about the change of value. Uh, originally, we should understand, I think, uh, every kid, every person is differently gifted in different areas. So, um, this concept should be prevalent before we uh, enforce some kind of agenda among people. And uh, irrespective of their academic excellence, they are so precious because they are made God's image. They, they are very uniquely valuable. So that kind of mentality should be taught continuously. And, uh, but uh, in some, some kids uh, who are gifted in academically, so in the case, uh, academic excellence and uh, faith, good faith, should not be antithetical. I mean, should not uh, be understood as uh, uh, contrasting concept. So, uh, some people who, ha- who has good intellectual capability can have good faith, can study very well in some section of some uh, group of people can do that. So, it should not understood as a contrasting concept, I think. So, uh, generally speaking, because they are students, they are supposed to study hard some kids can use that kind of faith uh, uh, excuse for doing, not, uh, doing his best, their best in their study. So basically, uh, even through study, you can glorify God. That kind of mentality could be uh, also emphasized, I think. All right. Um, since we are getting to four o'clock, so, so we promised we are, we're going to stop here, and then we're going to conclude in a moment. But before we actually wrap up, I just have two, two uh, announcements. Number one is actually campus tour, campus tour Southeastern Seminary will be provided after this is over. So if there's any families or anyone might be interested in this campus tour, uh, we will we will meet you down there uh, in the hallway, 
and so we can take as one whole group to take about 30 minutes to go around the southeastern campus. And number two, evaluation paper and then name tag. You're you're here uh, needs to be go into that basket as you go out, walked out of this building. We're gonna put that in there. So please do that for us. It would be really appreciated. Uh, and then three, uh, third one is actually. Um, I am I'm a director of East Asian Leadership Initiative uh, here at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, what we do is mainly we are uh, focusing on the mission field overseas. Uh, for me, I am overseeing East Asian countries. What we do is actually we have a partnership with the entities there in overseas, uh, from church level to the ac academic um, institution there or denominations. Baptist, we always have a partnership and we um, train the leadership there so that they could be the expert, expert of the gospel. So they, could, they could be really succeed in their ministry in, in overseas. Um, my country's area um, are Japan, China, Korea, Mongolia, and Taiwan, and then recently v Vietnam came into my world. So we're really trying best effort to, to do that training. But not only that, we always want to reach out to Asian American church leaders here who are already here. Currently, they're doing great job to advancing the gospel here or the, uh, our congregations here. So if you would like to find out more about what we do, um, Dr. Ewer, as we begin, he is my boss actually, GTI, uh, what we do is we are uh, really, we want to reach out with the gospel to not only those who are outside the United States, but inside here, around us. So if you want to find out more about GTI and or also East Asian Leadership Initiative, um, please come and find me and then have a short conversation with me. And then I can give you her, uh, a lot more information about what we do. And then always there will be a possibility that we can actually partner with you local church, and then we can also do such a great uh, advancing the great commission here together.